Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn to the book of 2 Kings chapter 6. 2 Kings chapter 6. And as you're turning, let me ask you a question. As you've lived life through the time that you've lived life, have you ever been in a spot where you felt like you were surrounded? Have you ever been in a place where you felt like you were trapped? There was no way out. There was no way to get loose. You were surrounded on all sides and you do not what to do. Because if you've ever felt like you've been trapped in life, if you've ever felt like you're in a position of just despair utterly, I believe God has a word for you today as he speaks through his precious word in 2 Kings chapter 6. Here's what it says in 2 Kings 6 beginning with verse 8. The king of Syria warred against Israel and he took counsel with his servants saying, In such and such a place shall be my camp. And the man of God sent unto the king of Israel, saying, Beware that thou pass not such a place, for thither the Syrians are come down. And the king of Israel sent to the place which the man of God told him, and warned him of, and saved himself there not once nor twice. Therefore the heart of the king of Syria was sore troubled for this thing. And he called his servants, and he said unto them, Will ye show me which of us is for the king of Israel? And one of the servants said, None, my lord, O king, but Elisha, the prophet that is in Israel, telleth the king of Israel the words that thou speakest in thy bedchamber. And he said, Go and spy where he is, that I may send and fetch him. And it was told him, Behold, he is in Dothan. Therefore sent he thither horses and chariots and a great host. And they came by night, and they compassed the city about. And when the servant of the man of God was risen early and gone forth, behold, and compassed the city, a host compassed the city, both with horses and chariots. And his servant said unto him, Alas, my master, how shall we do heavenly father i pray lord this day you give utterance lord through this voice i pray father you speak to our hearts god you engage us where we are in life you meet us by your holy ghost god bring conviction to the lost that they might be saved god give deliverance those who are bound in bondage but father you be glorified this hour in jesus name we pray amen and amen. Here is the story of Elisha, the man of God, and his unnamed servant. They are taking up residence for a while in a place called Dothan. Now, we're not talking about Dothan, Alabama, because that's what a lot of us think about when we think about Dothan. We're talking about Dothan there over in the area of Samaria, over in the land of Israel, per se. And here it was, God gave Elisha a special revelation at this time to enable his servant, who felt like he did not have a way out, who felt like he did not have a way to go, who felt like life was coming to an end, God gave a special word. He gave a revelation to him. He said, when you're surrounded, look up. When you're surrounded in life, don't give up. When you're surrounded in life, realize there's a God on the throne and he knows your name and he knows where you are and he will sustain you and he will guide you and he will make provision for you. There is a God who knows all, who sees all, who hears all. He acts, he responds to his children. All right, we'll calm down. Listen to me. In this day and time, idolatry was rampant. 
idolatry was even overtaking into Israel. And the king of Syria, he became a greedy king. And he wanted more, and he wanted more, and he wanted more. And so he sat there and pondered in his castle one day. He said, I want to take what is not mine because I'm not satisfied with what I've got. I want something else. I want something new. Isn't it amazing how that mindset brings into the Christian's lives where we don't get satisfied with what we've got. We don't have contentment with what God has blessed us with. And we start looking at saying, I want more and more and more. And that's what was going on with the king of Syria. And he looked down there into Samaria and he said, I want some of that land. I want some of that country. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to set up a special place. We're going to go down here in a covert operation and we're going to set up a camp. And when the king of Israel comes riding by on his horse, when he comes moving through this territory, we're going to capture the king of Israel. We're going to take him. We're going to just, uh, uh, we're going to, we're going to probably torture him and we are going to be in control of this land and their king. That's how I'm going to do it. That's what the world always says. That's what the devil always says. Because the devil wants to take the ground of your heart. He wants to take the ground that you have given to the Lord Jesus Christ. And he wants to fill it with his old stuff and his old junk. And the root sin, my friend, that comes inside you, it starts growing inside your heart. And if you don't know how to take back ground from the enemy, you better learn. Or you'll constantly be in a state of frustration time and time again. And you will not know contentment. And you will not know satisfaction. And you will not know joy. And the peace of God that passes all understanding will not guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus and so here it is he goes down into this area of Dothan he goes down not necessarily there he goes into Samaria and he sets up his covert operations but when he gets there he starts looking around and he says the Israelites have already set up a defense against us this is not going to work And so they go again, and they try it elsewhere at another location. And the same thing happens. They said, the Israelites have set up a defense again. Somebody is telling Israel, somebody's telling that king what's going on. I've got a spy in my ranks. And so the king of Syria, he calls all of his his, his military leaders, his counselors together, and he just gets real honest. He said, all right, guys, this hasn't happened once. This hasn't happened twice. It just keeps on happening. Every time I have a plan, and every time we put our plan into action to go down there and to capture the king of Israel... They're ready for us. Somebody's t- somebody is in favor of the Israelite king and not me. Who is it? Who's the spy? Who's the mole? Who's the one that's letting them know what's going on? He's hot. He's mad. And finally, one of these guys gets his nerve up and he says, King, you don't have a spy. But there's a man of God in Israel. And this man of God, he listens to the voice of his God because he serves the God who hears and he serves the God who sees and he serves the God who who understands and he knows and he serves the God who acts on behalf of his children. There's a man of God in Israel and everything you're speaking, God hears it whether you're in your bedchamber or you're sitting on the throne. God hears what you're saying and he tells Elisha, that man of God, and Elisha warns him and they make preparation and the king, he flies hot again you know what he says he said you get me that man of God you get me that man who is thwarting my plans you send out the host of the army you send out the chariots you send out the infantry you send out the weapon you get me Elisha well he happens to be in Dothan Lord and so the, the king he sends his armies down into 
Dothan. Now, now, Dothan, as I said, it's not Alabama. Dothan was the place where Joseph's brothers sold him to the Ishmaelite traders. Dothan literally means uh, a double fruitfulness because apparently there were two wells in Dothan, and so your flocks could be well watered there. But, but, but there in this little city of Dothan, about 60 miles north of Jerusalem, it was a, it was a place of about 13 acres that it encompassed. Here they come down there with all their military, with all their weapons, with all their horses, with all their chariots, and they get down there to Dothan, and they completely encircle 13 acres. That's a lot of eyeballs, isn't it? That's a lot of people. That's a lot of weaponry. That's a lot of horses. That's a lot of chariots. And they completely surround this area. And they're looking for one man. They're looking for the man of God, Elisha. And so the next morning... Elisha's servant, at this time he is unnamed, Gehazi is off the scene. That was his former servant. Elisha's servant wakes up, and he crawls out of the tent, possibly, and he goes out to stretch and to greet the morning, and he looks up, and he looks to the north, and there's eyeballs staring back at him, and there's weaponry, and there's horses. And he looks to the northeast, and there's eyeballs. Weaponry and their horses, and he looks to the east, and there's eyeballs, and there's weaponry, and there's horses, and he looks to the southeast, and there's eyeballs, and there's weaponry, and there's horses, and he looks to the south, and there's eyeballs, and weaponry, and horses, and he looks to the southwest, and there's eyeballs, and weaponry, and horses, and he looks to the west, and there's eyeballs, and weaponry, and horses, and he looks to the northwest, and there's eyeballs, weaponry, and horses, and his mouth drops open, and he realizes we're surrounded, and he runs back into his tent, and he says, Elisha. What will we do? Have you ever felt that way? The doctor calls you. And you get a prognosis. And you're saying, what will I do? The bank calls you. And you say, what will I do? Have you ever felt like you cannot breathe because you're surrounded by the issues of life? You're surrounded by the things of life. You're surrounded by the pressures of life. And, and, and all of a sudden, that's how, how, how your living existence. That's, that, that's your new normal right now because all the, you are surrounded. That, that's the way you feel when you're called there to the, to, the, to the courtroom and you have to go on the stand and you have to stand up and you have to testify. And, and people are giving accusations towards you and they're giving false accusations accusations towards you and and you don't know what to say and and you don't know how to handle this because you have no defense against such a thing. This is what you you, you feel like when you pillow your head at night and you start wondering, where's my prodigal child? Where's that one? I wonder how long it's been since he's eaten. I wonder if he's in a bed right now or if he's out on That's what you feel like when life starts coming down upon you and you don't know what to do. You are saying, what will I do? And he went to the right source, did he not? He went to the man of God who knows God, who walks with God. You see, Elisha had been the attendant of Elijah. And Elisha had been his attendant for some 10 years. He carried Elijah's 
bags. He did nothing but attend to Elijah. He would take water and he would wash Elijah's hands. But he was not there in the limelight. He was not there with the anointing and the unction of God. But when it came time for Elijah to die, he was not like the other prophets that were there in that area at that time. He wanted the, 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 he wanted the, the anointing that Elijah had. He just didn't want the mantle, though he received it because that's what the other prophets wanted. They wanted the mantle. He wanted a double portion of the anointing. He just didn't want the skill that Elijah had. He, he wanted the anointing of God upon his life, just like his master Elijah had had. And when he saw Elijah go up in that chariot of fire, taken by Almighty God into the very glory himself, he saw that transpire. The mantle fell. He received it, and a double portion of God came upon his life, and he did twice as many miracles as Elijah did. Do you pray for a double portion of God upon your life? And if you don't, why don't you? Now listen to me. It's not going around here zapping people and acting like you're all this and you're all that. When you have a double portion of God upon your life, hear me. There comes a heavy burden with that. There comes a tremendous responsibility with it. There comes something that God puts upon your life. And now you bow before no man. You bow before the Father. You stand, my friends, only into God's glory. Hear me. When you pray for a double portion, you're saying, God, use me as you see fit. Spend me as you see fit. Lord, I live for your glory. Here was Elisha. He received that double portion of God. And man, look what transpired. He, 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 he had a little lady who had a... Boys were, were in, in bondage. And all she had was a little cruise of oil. And he said, gather dishes and gather pans. And she borrowed everything she could borrow. And she started pulling that little cruise of oil out. And the oil didn't stop until she ran out of a place to put the oil. It just kept on pouring forth. And she had enough oil to, to buy her boy's deliverance. And she had enough oil to sell what she had and to live the rest of her life. Because God sustained her. Why? Because the word of God, the man of God brought it forth. And he said, take it and, and gather gather vessels and, and keep pouring the oil. And as long as she gathered vessels and poured, hear me guys, you got to you got to keep gathering vessels and you got to keep looking there for that which is empty so God can fill it and God's got to work in your life and that why because when you stop the, the, the anointing stop and Elisha he, he saw that transpire right before his eyes and Elisha he was there when, when the school of the prophets they were out trying to expand their, their, their ministry and, and they borrowed an axe and they were cutting the wood and they were cutting the trees and the axe head this piece of metal this piece of steel it fell into the river and it sank and they said oh Elisha it was borrowed and when they went back to where they lost it, all of a sudden, iron floated. It, it defied the laws of gravity. Why? Because the voice of God spoke to it, and it got up, and it began to do what it wasn't supposed to do. And when God speaks in your heart, many times you'll defy the laws of man, and you'll do what God has called you to do, and he will work on your behalf supernaturally. That was the ministry of Elisha. Elisha, he was there when, when, when Naaman came. He, he was the general of the army, and, and he had this leprosy all in his body. And, and he comes down there, and, and Naaman says, to go, go bath in, in, in the old Jordan River. And he said, oh, aren't the rivers where I come from far better? I, I don't want to do that. He said, he said go, go bath in the Jordan River. And he goes down in the Jordan River, and he starts bathing, and his skin, skin becomes white as snow. Well, see, this is the man of God. This is one that, 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 that the enemy's after. This is one that they're trying to take out. And that little old servant, he says, Master, what do we do? Chapter 5 is the story of Naaman. Chapter 6 is the story of the axe head. 
floating at the beginning. This is important. You see, the enemy always shows up after somebody's been cleansed and set free and trying to do damage. The enemy shows up after something's been recovered that's been lost trying to do damage. And maybe that's what you've experienced in life and maybe you're just now putting those two dots together because you say, when God pours out upon your life and God starts working in your life, when you've had a great deliverance, when you've got a great cleansing, get ready. He's coming at you with all force. He's coming at you to beat you down, to take you back. Hear me? That's when he shows up after God has demonstrated himself mighty. And so that's when he showed up. So he says, look what it says in verse 16. At 15. His servant said, Alas, my master, how shall we do? And he answered him. He said, Fear not. Fear not. What did he say? Fear not. How how do you fear not when you can't even breathe? How do you fear not when you're surrounded on every side? How do you fear not when you you feel like you're, you're trapped and you have nowhere to go? You see, because the sure word of God says, the eyes of the Lord look to and fro over the face of the earth, seeking for a man whose heart is completely his. Woo! Guys, if there's no motivation but to seek God, it's that right there. Because, you see, when, when the eyes of the Lord are looking, and He's walking up and down these aisles right now in the person of the Holy Ghost, he, He's looking at your heart, and, and He's looking to see, do you completely fear Him? Do you completely seek Him? Are you desiring Him? You see, Elisha had a hunger for God. He had a hunger and a desire for God to be real in his life. He just didn't want God to bail him out of problems. He just didn't want God to be used like a spare tire. He wanted God to matter. He wanted God to be supreme. He wanted God to lead, to direct, to use however he saw fit. And here was this, this man of God. He's looking at his servant. And his servant said, Lord, what do we do? And God gave Elisha a word. He said, tell him, fear not. Now, I'm not belittling your fears. Because our fears are real. But there comes a point in life where you've got to realize perfect love, perfect faith cast out all fear. See, and we're either focusing on the fears or we're focusing our faith on the person of Christ. And you see, when we get consumed with our fears, we've taken our eyes off of Christ and the cross. And it comes to overwhelm us. And it comes to take us into a situation where we feel like we can't even breathe. We cannot even move. And so Elisha said, get a grip, man. Start looking up. Fear not. Why? Look what he says. For they that be with us are more than they that be with them. He said, what you don't see, the invisible, it can be visible. And what you don't see, the invisible, it takes spiritual mindset. It takes spiritual eyes. It takes spiritual ears. But, but you can see the invisible because those who are with us are more than those who are against us. And those who are going to stand for us and fight for us are more than that enemy force that's looking at us. He said, get a grip. 
start looking up. He said, start realizing there's horses and there's chariots and there's weaponry and there's infantry. But fear not what this God's saying today. He says, don't be afraid. No matter what you're in, no matter what you're going through, don't be afraid because you are not alone. Do you understand that? I'm not being dismissive of your fears. I know you feel like you're truly surrounded, some of you. I'm not trying to palicate you just to say feel better. No, I'm saying here is a sure word of God. Here is a true word of God from the one who said, I am and was and am to come. I'm the one speaking, fear not. Hear this as a sure word of God. When you pass through the fire, I will be with you. The water will not overflow you. This is a sure word of God. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will never abandon you. This is a sure word of God. Hear this as a sure word of God. Can a woman forget her nursing child? I will never forget you. This is a sure word of God. Hear this. I have engraved you on the palm of my hand. I will never, never, never forget you. You're my child. I've searched you. I've known you. I know you're sitting down. I know you're rising up. I know your thoughts. I know what's on your tongue. This is a word of God. I know where you are. I know everything about you. And you have to understand. I don't have the hearing aids in today because this thing ain't staying anyway. You have to understand. God gives a word. And he gives a word not for you to read and to forget. He gives a word to plant inside your heart and inside your soul. Don't be afraid. You're not alone. Well, I feel alone. You're not alone you got the Holy Ghost of God living inside you. If you are a born-again child of God, if you are, you may not be. I didn't say, are you a Baptist? I didn't say, are you a Pentecostal? I just said, are you born again? Do you know that you know that you know without any doubt if you die to die, you will go to heaven? Do you know that your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life? Do you understand what it was to fall under the convicting power of the Holy Spirit because of your sin? Not because somebody else went forward, not because someone else said, but because you knew I'm a sinner. And he died to save me. And he will save you to the uttermost. He says, you don't have to be afraid. Horses and chariots and weaponry and men. Horses and chariots and weaponry and men. He said, don't be afraid. My God is too mighty. My God is so strong. There's nothing my God cannot do. My God is so mighty. My God is so strong. There's nothing my God cannot do. See, see, you got to tell yourself that. Because ain't nobody else going to tell you that. They're going to say, well, you better give it up, buddy. You better cut the best deal you can cut. Because you ain't going to make it through this if you don't. Hear me. He said, don't be afraid. You're not alone. And, And then look what he says again. He says, fear not. For they that be with us are more than they that be with them. Don't be afraid because you're not outnumbered. And Elisha prayed. Every time there's a situation, Elisha prayed. Do you pray? Is that the first thing you do? Or do you run to your, your, your group of friends? Or, or do, you, do, you, do you run here, there, or yonder, try to figure out how to, how to mess it up even worse? Or, or do you know how to pray? 
where you go to God and you seek his, his mind. You seek his, his, his will, his provision. You see, and, and Elisha prayed and he said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eye. Oh, I wish God would open our eyes today that we could literally see the angelic host that is encamped about this place. I wish God would open our eyes that we could understand we got more on our side than the enemy's got on his side. And all we're doing is looking at the physical. But God said, if you're going to be a spiritual man or woman, you've got to learn to look through spiritual eyes. And as you look through spiritual eyes, you're going to realize there's more of us than there is of them. He tries to intimidate. He tries to scare you. And he says, all of a sudden, the invisible became visible. And there was an angelic host, a caravan of angels. There was God's militia army surrounding that mountain, surrounding Elisha, surrounding the sun. He said, don't be afraid. You're not alone. Don't be afraid. You're not outnumbered. You've got the angel of God with you. He surrounds you. Angels are ministering spirits sent forth to minister to those who have believed unto salvation. He says, you've got ministering spirits. Psalm 34, 7, they encamp around those who fear the Lord. They do this to rescue us. They do this to deliver us. They do this to protect us. Jesus in his second coming, he tells us he will come with angels of flaming fire. They will come, my friend, ministering grace. But they can come also ministering the judgment of God. Whose side you own? He says, we have an angelic host. Well, how many angels are there, preacher? Well, according to the book of Hebrews, they're an innumerable, innumerable host of angels. You understand when Satan got cast out of heaven, a third of the, of the, of the angelic host went with him. Man, that's a lot. Two-thirds stayed Two-thirds stayed in the presence and the glory of God. Two-thirds. We got more. We're going to win. We might go through difficulties and we will. We might go trials and we will. But we will win. Revelation says there's 10,000 times 10,000. It's an innumerable number. Jesus said he could call 12 legions. He could call instantly 72,000 angels. Isn't that amazing? And we look... And we think, I'm outnumbered, I'm outgunned, I'm outmanned. And yet God says, no, you're not. He said, I've got an angelic host, maybe millions upon millions. How strong are they? Well, one angel went through Egypt one night. And he totally destroyed Egypt, tore them all to pieces. And he liberated the people of God. He gave them victory. One angel! Sennacherib was running his mouth and God sent one angel and all of a sudden there was 185,000 dead the next morning because one angel showed up. One angel came to Jesus there, I'm assuming, or, or probably more in the garden and when he was praying great sweat drops of blood. It says angels came and ministered strength to him. Isn't that good to know? When Jesus was there, angels came and ministered strength to him. They're going to come and minister strength to us while he was on his knees. He was pleading with the Father. That's a good indication of how we need to know and engage the angelic armies of God on our knees pleading with the Father and he will work and sustain us. You say, here, one angel will take Satan and all who follow him and cast him into a pit, into a pit of hell. One angel, my friend, God is going to say, take a chain and take a key and lock and bind up Satan and cast him there forever. One angel can do that. One. And we got how many? 
thousands upon thousands upon thousands. You don't have to be afraid of the terrors by night. You don't have to be afraid of the arrows that fly by day. You don't have to be afraid of the pestilence that walks in darkness. You don't have to be afraid of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. Why? Because our God is so mighty. Our God is so big. There's nothing our God cannot do. He said, I've got you covered. But you've got to look up. You can't use me of a spare tire just to do what you want to do and then bail me out. I told you about the old boy who, who preacher went to visit and he, he ran him off, didn't want anything to do with him. He's like up in the hills, you know, where the hill people is kind of strange anyway. You know, I speak that because I are one. And uh, one day he, they came running to that. said, come quick, preacher. Daddy's been bit by a rattlesnake. And the preacher went to his knees and says, Lord, bite every one of them. That's the only thing that got his attention. Hmm. See, 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 listen to me. God says, you've got to understand to get serious with me and not just try to use me as, as, as your bellhop and use me as your genie. See, the devil, he, he likes to come at you when the diagnosis comes and he wants to whisper in your ear saying, give it up, brother. You ain't got no hope. All right? But guys, we got an angelic host that encamps about those who fear the Lord. We've got an innumerable number. We, we, we're not alone in this. We've got the Holy Ghost of God living inside us, teaching us the way, the word, the plan of God. You're not out. No, it says a thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand. But he gives his angels charge over thee that they will bear thee up lest you dash your foot against a stone. You are not alone. You are not outnumbered. Don't be afraid. And so Elijah, he, he, he said, he prays again. Look over in verse 18. And, and when they came down, Elisha prayed. He said, Lord, smite this people, I pray thee, with blindness. And he smote them with blindness according to the word of Elisha. So here you've got an army. And they can't see. And here you've got a man of God. Calm, cool collected and here you got that servant of Elisha going <laughs> blown away and they're groping in the dark and they don't know what to do or where to go and Elisha says follow my voice Woo! guys think about it follow the voice of God follow and so they followed Elisha. Where did he take them? All the way to Samaria. And when they opened their eyes as Elisha prayed, they looked the king square in the face, the king of Israel. Hmm. And they were surrounded. And the king said, Should I kill them? And Elisha said, Feed them. Treat them right. Let them go. Hmm. Like to hit them at least, wouldn't you? <laughs> he said, he said, he said, look what it says. 
And the king said first to him, My father, shall I smite them? Shall I smite them? And he said, Thou shalt not smite them. Wouldest thou smite those that thou hast taken captive with thy sword and with the bow? Set bread and water before them that they may eat and drink and go to their master. And he prepared a great provision for them. And when they had eaten and drunk, he sent them away and they went to their master. And look at this last line. So the band of the Syria came no more into the land of Israel. Don't be afraid, guys. You're not alone. Don't be afraid. You're not outnumbered. Don't be afraid. This will come to an end. That's a good word. In the middle of it, we don't think it's ever going to end. But God has sent a word that says, this is going to come to an end. In verse 23, it says, they came no more into the land of Israel. God has the reputation of being concerned about his children. God has the reputation that he is a God who sees. He is a God who hears. He is a God who, 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 who cares. He is a God who acts. He is a God who responds to his children. I mean, when his people were surrounded by a wilderness and the armies of Egypt were, were chasing them down, all of a sudden Moses looked and said, Lord, and he said, hold up the staff. And he held up the staff and the waters parted and they walked through on dry ground. And that same army that wanted to devour them, God closed the waters down. And he took care of the opposition. Why? He cares about you. He cares about me. See, 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 God cares. When the flames of fire were surrounded, those faithful ones there in Babylon, because they would not bow down to the king. When the flames of fire were surrounding them and the men who cast them in fell dead, God gave them asbestos-type suits. And all of a sudden, they're walking about. And the king looks in and says, I see four men. Did we not cast three men in? And the fourth man, he looks like Jesus. He looks like the Son of God. Because God cares about you and me. And he will sustain Sustain us. God, he, he looks down with Mordecai. He, he, he had a death sentence on his head. And he was building a gallows to, to be hung on. They were building this 50 meters high. And, and all of a sudden, God, he stirred that pagan king to where he couldn't sleep. And he woke up and, and he said, read me history books. Bore me to where I go to sleep. And he found out Mordecai saved his life. God cares. He acts on behalf of his children. When, when his people were surrounded by a consolidated force, he didn't say, get the army out front. He said, get the singers to get out front. Give them a songbook. They don't need a sword. And God went before them. Why? Because the battle is not yours. The battle is his. God cares about you. He cares about me. When his, his men were there in a prison cell, all of a sudden they started singing praise at midnight. And the place shook and what was holding them captive was released. Why? God cares. So, so what are you surrounded by? You're not alone. Start looking up through eyes of faith. You're not outnumbered. There's an angelic host ever ready. Ever ready. And this too will pass. Because God, he is on his throne. And he is working everything for, for, for his glory and for, for our good. Because God has a way of coming to the rescue of his people. Look what it says in the book of Romans chapter 8. Verse 31. What shall we say to these things? 
If God be for us, who can be against us? A whole lot of them can be against us. Who are they compared to my God? Who are they compared to this angelic host? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? He, it is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is, it, it is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Jesus is praying your name. He's interceding on your behalf. Who shall separate us from the lover? Who can separate me from my God? Shall tribulation? No. Shall distresses? No. Shall persecutions? No. Shall famine or nakedness or peril or sword? No. For it is written, for thy sake we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Then all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded, I am convinced, I am sold out convinced there's not a doubt in my mind that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God. Woo! Which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So what's got you surrounded? So what's causing you to suffocate? Look up. Look up. We're not alone. Push our feelings to the back and say, I got God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit right here with me. And I don't feel nothing right now, but by faith, I know he is. His word says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will know not never. Bad English, great Greek. I will never leave you. You're not alone. You're not outnumbered. I would love for God to pull back the curtains. To see the angelic host. Just a, a smidgen of them. Lean in the ear. Looking. Hand on their swords. Ready. He said, Don't be afraid. He said, What you're going through, it will pass. It will pass. Trust me. Because nothing, if you're my child, nothing is going to separate us. Father, we bow before you this morning. God, I thank you for your word. It is a sure word of God. And I pray, God, even now that you begin to stir in hearts. Maybe there's someone here, Lord, who's never, never been born again. They have a religious preference. They have a church preference. They have a denomination preference. They have a style of worship they may say they like, but they've never truly been born again by the blood of Christ. God, I pray this day you bring convicting power by your Holy Spirit to their heart. Open their minds. Illuminate their eyes that they can see as if for the first time their need to be born again. And God, let them put aside the, the battling voice of the devil who is saying, oh, your pride, what's everybody going to think? Let them obey you, God, because they know they're a sinner and they know they need a Savior and you're the Savior. Father, I pray that you would just speak to hearts. Maybe there's someone here struggling, God. They feel surrounded right now. God, teach them to look up. Teach them to pray. Teach them to realize they're not alone.
They're not outnumbered. And this too will pass. But until it does, you're God. And you've got this. Altar's open.